Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. Good to be with you. I pray you had a wonderful weekend. Um, It's been pouring. I don't know where the expression came from, raining cats and dogs. There's got to be a a, um, beginning to that one, but it really poured here. Um, And now the sun is shining. It's just, just beautiful. Um, Last night, we here, the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, went to the cathedral. It was God's providence that we wound up doing that for an evening mass on Sunday. We normally don't do that, but it worked out for us to do that yesterday. And it was a great, great grace because um, Father Stanley Rother, R-O-T-H-E-R, was being um, uh, celebrated. The mass was in honor of him uh, on the... uh, second anniversary of his being beatified. And so, um, let's see now, he was beatified September 23rd, uh, 2017, but July 28th, I believe, is the day that he died. And he was beatified in Oklahoma City, September 23rd. And he's blessed now. And um, the priest um the Monsignor Greer, who celebrated the Mass, said that the because he's blessed, only the four dioceses in which Father Rother served um, had the privilege of uh, celebrating Mass for him yesterday. Uh, once he's a saint, the Universal Church will celebrate him, but yesterday it was where he served. He grew up in Oklahoma, so Oklahoma City Diocese, Tulsa Diocese, where he also served at both the cathedral for a year, and at St. Xavier, Francis Xavier, um, Hispanic Church, not uh, solely Hispanic, but mostly, and that's where we go to Mass during the week, and then we go to um, Latin Mass on the weekend most of the time. Um, and then also Arkansas and uh, Guatemala, where he gave the last 12 years of his life and died a martyr for his people. Um, I tell you, uh, he's been beatified two years. We are an hour and a half away uh, from Oklahoma City, and we did not go to his beatification. I knew very little of him. But the priest, Monsignor Greer, who celebrated the Mass at Holy Family Cathedral here in Tulsa, last evening, um, went to seminary with Father Stanley Rother and um, and knew him personally and served with him and gave us a firsthand uh, personal account um, of how it got very dangerous in Guatemala and the government started putting uh, Christians to death and um, Father Stanley learned that he was on the d- list to be killed. And he came back to Tulsa and served a little while here. But people were being killed left and right in Guatemala. And he said, finally, they wanted him to stay. The bishops wanted him to stay. But he said, and um, Father Monsignor Greer very clearly at Mass last night, he said, 
Father Stanley said, I am not a hireling. I am not a hireling. I am a shepherd. And the shepherd doesn't run when the sheep are being attacked. And with that, and with the bishop's permission, he went back to Guatemala to be with his people. And he was killed in the middle of the night. They entered his room and they shot him to death. There's a small account of this uh, on the website for Blessed Stanley Rother, and it's not very long. I'm going to read it to you. Um, He was born in 1935, March 27th, 1935, ordained May 25th, 1963, martyred July 28th, 1981, beatified September 23rd, 2017. And uh, the short summary says he was an Oklahoma farm boy. Stanley Francis Rother um, was born March 27th in 1935 in Oak Arch. I don't know that I'm pronouncing. Maybe it's Oak Arch, Oak Arch, Oklahoma. And he was ordained a priest for what was then the Diocese of Oklahoma City and Tulsa. They were both one. There was only one diocese in the whole state of Oklahoma, and later they were split, and there's only two dioceses now in the state of Oklahoma. And, of course, uh, we, the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, are in the east, which is Tulsa now. Um, Father Rother served in the diocese's mission in Guatemala for 13 years, seeking justice in the midst of a protracted civil roar, civil war, Father Rother fought courageously for the well-being of his people in combating a culture that was excessively hostile to the Catholic Church. You know, and I tell you, when we got home last night, we watched a couple of uh, documentaries on Father Rother. I suggest you do that. Uh, He's not well known, and he is the most recent saint we have, um, and the U.S. saint, and an Oklahoma saint, um, and I think the first male saint in the United States, I'm not sure, I'm thinking Elizabeth Ann Seton, the first female saint. Father Rother could be the first male saint. I'm, I stand to be corrected if I'm wrong, but he was the oldest of four children, born to Franz and Gertrude Rother. Father Rother grew up in Oak Arch um, and attended Holy Trinity Catholic Church at school. Being a normal child raised on a farm, he worked hard during the required chores, doing the required chores, attended school, played sports, was an altar server, and enjoyed the activities associated with growing up in a small town. I'm, I rarely read the history of saints, beloved, but um, I think being the newest saint, he is... Um, well, of, of U.S. heritage, I believe. I, I, I could be wrong. I should research that to see what's happened since 2017 because others have been beatified, but I don't know that they are U.S. citizens. Um, but this story is really alive to us because we were with the priest last night who was with Father Rother and spoke for what an incredible man of God he was in their midst. And how that when he got to Kualabala, there was hardly a church, hardly a people. And when he left after 13 years, swarms of people, the whole place uh, was Catholic. 
and there hadn't been an ordination for I don't know how long, 20, 30 years, I don't know how long. And since then, um, there are many, many men who have entered the seminary to become priests because the seed of the martyrs, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And I've been struggling with some issues. Welcome to the human race, huh? Who doesn't struggle with issues? But in my great desire to love and to serve God with all my heart, soul, and breath, um, and we get attacked. And and I personally have been in the midst of some, I don't know how to describe them, but rough things. I leave it that way. And I tell you what, I came home from that Mass last night, and I was on fire. Whatever's been bothering me, forget it. Just forget it. That's par for the course, right? That's par. Whoever will live godly in this world will suffer persecution. And I'm not saying it's the result of my living godly. I just, sometimes you can't even identify the stuff that's on you. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that we belong to Christ and that God has us here. In the words of St. Esther, which I love, for such a time as this. And Father Rotha returned to Guatemala knowing he was on the hit list to be killed. And he went. Um, and he was killed. Um, I don't think immediately upon his return. Let me finish the story here. Um, while in high school, he began to discern the possibility of a vocation to the priesthood. He was accepted as a seminarian and was sent to Assumption Seminary in San Antonio, Texas. The journey to ordination was not without its challenges. More practical than academic by nature, young Stanley struggled with Latin, which at the time was a critical requirement since the entire curriculum was being taught in Latin. Due to his difficulties, he was asked to leave the seminary as his grades were inadequate. He sought the counsel of Bishop Victor. I'm thinking of um, St. John Vianney, who is the patron of all priests and couldn't graduate seminary himself. Father Rother sought the counsel of Bishop Victor Reed. It was decided that Stanley would be allowed a second chance enrolling at Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland, which I love the connection because that's where um, St. Elizabeth Seton's sons went, and she settled there to found the Daughters of um, Charity here in America. He graduated Father Rother, he graduated well, at the time Stanley Rother from Ma- from the Mount and was ordained a priest on May twenty fifth, nineteen sixty three. Father Rother served as an associate pastor for five years in Oklahoma, heeding the call of Pope John the twenty third. He sought and received permission to join the staff at the diocese diocese mission in Santiago. Atitlan, 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 I guess, A-T-I-T-L-A-N, sorry for my pronunciation, Atitlan, Guatemala. Father Rother's connection with the people of Santiago Atitlan was immediate. He served the native tribe of the, oh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, um, Tsutsuil, 
Tutsi, something like that, who are descendants of the Mayans. In order to serve his people, Father Rother had to speak Spanish and the Tutsi language. He not only learned both languages, but his working a knowledge of Tutsi enabled him to celebrate Mass in their language and help translate the New Testament. Tutsi, I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, was not a written language until the Oklahoma mission team arrived. And so despite his past issues with Latin, what he accomplished was remarkable. Monsignor Greer last night told us that Tutsi language is much more difficult than Latin, and it wasn't yet even written. They formed a written language and then translated the New Testament. Just outstanding. As the years passed, Father Rother tried to live a simpler life, to be in communion with his people. He was surrounded by extreme poverty with the Tutsi, uh-oh, Uh-oh. Oh, let me just see if I could find it on the web. My goodness. Hold on a minute. Hold on. I didn't print out the last page. Um, okay, hold on. Um, hold on, hold on. Hold on. You'll say, Mother, where are we going? You have the words of Father Rother. (laughs) Okay, hold on. Here we go. I found it on the web. Yay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. He's so good to us. Um, As the years passed, Father Rother tried to live a simpler life, to be in communion with his people. He was surrounded by extreme poverty, with the Tutsil living in one-room huts, growing what they could on their small plots of land. Father Rother ministered to his parishioners in their homes, eating with them, visiting the sick, and aiding them with medical problems. He even put his farming skills to use by helping them in the fields, bringing in different crops, and building an irrigation system. While he served in Guatemala, a civil war raged between the militarist government forces and the guerrilla and the guerrillas the catholic church was caught in the middle due to its insistence on catechizing and educating the people during this conflict thousands of catholics were killed for a time the violence was contained in the cities but it soon came to the highlands and santiago atilian um atitlan catechists began to disappear People slept in the church for protection, and death lists began to circulate in the town. Eventually, Father Rother's name appeared on the death list after a parishioner from an Oklahoma parish sent a complaint. Oh, no, I didn't know this about Father Rother to the Guatemalan embassy, saying he was advocating for the overthrow of the government in his preaching by supporting his local residents. Oh my goodness, I have to reread the sentence. This is unthinkable. Eventually, Father Rother's name appeared on the death list after a parishioner from an Oklahoma parish sent a complaint 
about Father Rother to the Guatemalan, Guatemalan embassy, saying he was advocating for the overthrow of the government in his preaching by supporting his local residents. I can't imagine such a thing. For his safety and that of his associate, Father Rother returned home to Oklahoma. He did not stay long. He was determined to give his life completely to his people, stating that the shepherd cannot run. Returning to Santiago at Tietlan, he continued the work of the mission. I didn't know that fact that wasn't mentioned last night. This is on the website for Father, for Blessed uh, Father Stanley Rother. I, why would they have an incorrect fact? That's an amazing thing. The people I'm continuing to read now, the people of Santiago Atitlan mourned the loss of their leader and friend. His memory... Oh, wait, hold on. I, I skipped something. Um, okay, he returned to Santiago. He continued the work of the mission. Within a few months of his return, three men entered the rectory around 1 a.m. on July 28, 1981, fought with Father Rother, and then executed him. His death shocked the Catholic world. No one was ever held responsible. They never found them. And one other thing that I learned last night is that Father Rother had agreed with his uh, fellow priests and workers that if they came to get him, he would resist. If he didn't resist, if he just simply went quietly with them, they would torture him and throw him in a field someplace where the people wouldn't find him. And that's a great suffering for the people. Um, and so he, uh, they decided together that he would fight uh, until he was dead so that um, the people uh, would know what happened to him. Um, they'd know he was dead anyway, but thrown in some field and not be able to find him. He did it for the people. The people of Santiago Atlin mourned the loss of their leader and friend. His memory continues to stir the passion of the people he served with dignity and vigor. Because of the affection and veneration that the people of Santiago Atitlan displayed for the priest, they requested that Father Rother's heart be kept in the Guatemala, be kept in Guatemala, where it remains enshrined today. And I'll, I'll tell you what Monsignor Greer explained to us last night, that Father Rother's family back in o- Oklahoma greatly, uh, of course, um, um, opposed uh, their having his body and taking his heart out and, and, and uh, wanted the body to be returned to Oklahoma immediately. But um, uh, the family, uh, it was explained to the family that this is the custom of the people uh, that to have his heart is to have their life, the father's life with them. And so the family allowed that to be done. Um, and um, his heart uh, was um, was kept in the parish where he served, and eventually his body um, returned also to Guatemala to the people for whom he gave his life. From the onset of his death, the article says, the people of Santiago Atitlan um, 
The Archdiocese of Oklahoma City and the Diocese of Tulsa have believed that Father Rother died for the faith. In 2007, his cause for canonization was opened. In June 2015, the Theological Commission of the Congregation for the Causes of Saints in Rome voted to formally recognize the Oklahoma servant of God, Father Stanley Rother, a martyr. The determination of martyrdom was a critical step in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City's cause to have Father Rother beatified, the final stage before canonization as a saint. On December 2, 2016, Pope Francis officially recognized Father Rother as a martyr for the faith. He is the first American-born martyr and the first U.S. priest to be beatified there. Um, Elizabeth Ann Seton um, uh, was the first, I think, American-born saint, uh, although she came over from England. So, you know, I'd have to look that up. Um, but she wasn't a martyr. She did die for the faith, and she is a saint. She gave her life for the faith, uh, but she wasn't murdered for her faith. Um, and he is the first United States priest to be beatified. Cardinal Angelo Amato celebrated the rite of beatification on September twenty third, 2017, at the Cox Convention Center in downtown Oklahoma City. And it ends, Blessed Stanley Rother, pray for us. Um, I came home from that Mass last night, beloved, and you know, and and listening to the priest and the heart of the priest who, um, who personally knew him uh, and served, actually went over to Guatemala and served with Father Rother for a year. That priest came ba- back and got... He calls it an amoeba and got quite sick from um, whatever he ate over there and wasn't able to return. But Father Rother was, and he remained there and gave his life 13 years and went back knowing that it was a matter of time before he would be killed. Um, but and I don't remember how quick it was. For some reason, I think it was a couple of years, but it may not have been. Maybe the report said it was a few months. I don't know. Um, it wasn't a desire of his for martyrdom. It was a desire to be a true shepherd of his sheep. And he said to his bishop and those who wanted him to stay here in, in Oklahoma, as Monsignor, uh, Monsignor Greer forcefully said, emotionally said in the middle of his homily last night, Father Rother said, I am not a hireling. I am not a hireling. I am a shepherd. A true shepherd, the shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He does not abandon his sheep. And he went back and laid down his life for his sheep. And um, the indeed, what if, if you look up a couple of uh, documentaries, Blessed uh, Father Stanley Rother, R-O-T-H-E-R, you will see the life of this wonderful holy priest, an ordinary, they call him an ordinary saint, an ordinary saint, but not a hireling. And you and I, beloved, I came home, 
I said, you know, whatever's troubling me, whatever, we're going to be attacked or maybe persecuted. Our persecution is nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. Just keep looking at our Lord. It's nothing. Um, We have such a privilege to be alive for such a time as this. We have, we are so gifted to have the faith. I've said many times, unbelief on the part of millions. That's no mystery to me. Why people don't believe is not a mystery. Why I believe is the mystery. It will forever be the mystery. Why do I believe? Why do I love? It's it's what God gave me. It's free. I, I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. I still don't deserve it. I never will. It's the free gift of God. And I will never live enough years and have enough breath to thank him and give my life for him. And the fact that he's allowed me and beloved us, us, to live in such a day where the faith is being destroyed left and right. All you have to do is look at each day's news in the church. It is being destroyed left and right. I read a report this morning that is is just makes your heart absolutely sink with disgust and horror. But the gates of hell will not prevail. We believe that in God has chosen us in this day not to hire, not to hide, not to be a hireling who runs, but to be his shepherds, to be soldier sheep and go out and live our faith in the world as if it's true. It is the only thing that will save souls is the witness of God's arm. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. James the Greater. O glorious St. James, because of your fervor and generosity, Jesus chose you to witness his glory on the mount and his agony in the garden. Obtain for us strength and consolation in the unending struggles of this life. Help us to follow Christ constantly and generously, to be victors over all our difficulties, and to receive the crown of glory in heaven. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. 
At iCatholic Radio, we're blessed to bring you the good news of Jesus Christ through the latest of technology. But don't rely on just one of your mobile devices for listening to iCatholic Radio. Download our free app to all of your Android and Apple mobile devices, ensuring you never miss a show. That's iCatholic Radio. Great Catholic programming available for download through the Google Play and iTunes stores. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. Um, uh, my dear friend Paco at the Station of the Cross uh, gave me a note that Elizabeth Ann Seton was indeed born in the United States, that she was born in New York City, and she's one of only two saints born on American soil, the other being St. Kateri Tekawitha. So bless you, dear Paco. Um, and again, that would make Father Rother uh, the first priest U.S. born to be canonized. Uh, we're going to take, we have a whole half hour to ourselves, beloved, and our phone lines are wide open. So uh, call in with anything on your heart. could be anonymous. doesn't have to be what we're speaking about, whatever you wish. And um, the toll-free number to call or text is one eight seven seven. 5115483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, thank you for your podcasts and ministry. I listen often and I am blessed by your wise and faithful advice. Thank you, dear one. She writes, My husband and I are practicing Catholics and take our faith with gratitude and seriousness. However, many in our family have either left the faith or are lukewarm. Recently, at a family get-together, our niece announced that she was undergoing artificial insemination to become pregnant. My niece is not married and is in her 30s. She desires to become a mother, but has not met Mr. Wright and believes her biological clock is running out of time. The father will be an unknown donor. My husband was not present at the announcement, but those who were who those who were accepted the news with um, with affirmation. I was taken off guard, angry, and at a loss to speak up, thinking the timing and circumstances were not proper. I quietly left the family get-together shortly after her announcement. Later, my husband and I attempted to talk with our niece's mother, my husband's sister, to understand the situation and to shed light on the gravity of her daughter's actions. The mother is a self-proclaimed cafeteria Catholic and does not believe there is anything immoral in what her daughter is doing. Let me just stop there to say that there is no such thing as a cafeteria or Catholic. One who describes themselves or lives as a cafeteria Catholic is not Catholic. 
There is no such thing as a cafeteria Catholic. Cafeteria, of course, means you pick and choose. Then you're not Catholic. Then you're Protestant. Or you're whatever you want to call yourself, but you're not Catholic. If you're Catholic, it's because you believe that you're in the church our Lord established, that will, uh, which he promised to lead into all truth till the end of time, and which the gates of hell will not prevail against. And you can't pick and choose. If you believe everything but one thing, you're not Catholic. You're not Catholic. You can call yourself what you wish, but you're not Catholic. And this is a serious moral issue and will be a mortal sin. So for those who understand what the church teaches and know what they're doing. So, um, um, this is a confusing sentence. The mother is a self-proclaimed cafeteria Catholic and does not believe there is anything immoral in what her daughter is doing, even though she is aware of the church teaching against the procedure as well of a host of other ethical issues. So the she, I'm guessing, is the mother. The mother is aware it's against church teaching, but she doesn't believe there's anything immoral, which means she's greater than God, which means she believes she's above the church, which means she cannot believe that it's of God. Either that or she holds herself like Satan above God. I will not serve the Most High. Um, and this, this one goes on to say, she mentioned that she understood some family members. She is now still the mother of the niece. She mentioned that she understood some family members may be uncomfortable with her daughter's decision, but hoped they would support her. I would say to the mother, I'm comfortable if your daughter commits murder, but you still want me to support her? I know she's about to commit murder, but you want me to support her? And she said, well, artificial contraception insemination is not committing murder. I said, well, number one, you don't know that for sure. It might be. It might be. Uh, but the fact is, she is committing murder to her soul because it will be mortar sin. The mother is divorced, and our niece's father is also supportive of her decision. The mother is helping to fi- finance the procedure. <sighs> At this point, the mother has indicated she does not wish to discuss the situation anymore, no surprise, because she doubts either she or her daughter will change their minds and hopes we can all just get along. Oh my, something, you know, it's we can get along, beloved, on earth, but we cannot get along after we die because one will be in heaven and one will be in hell and there'll be no communication between them. And this woman writes, Mother Miriam, we cannot support our niece's decision. Of course not. We are in a dilemma as to how to handle future family functions. We find it difficult to reconcile family harmony with our niece's action, which is itself an attack on family We are unwilling to compromise with this wrongdoing, nor do we want to be a part of a charade. We no longer desire to attend family socials because our beliefs are at such odds and being there would seem merely superficial and perhaps even give uh, tacit approval or complicity. Yet 
we are concerned about the welfare and long-term consequence for our niece. How can we continue to act charitably? We welcome your thoughts and advice. Apologies for this lengthy email. God bless. She signs it anonymously. Well, I would think your first priority is speaking to your niece. She's in her 30s. Speak directly to her. Uh, Do anything you can. Uh, By phone, in person, by letter, uh, whatever it is. Speak to your niece directly, not her mom anymore. Forget that. Your niece is an adult, and you need to bring her written documents that sh- from the church showing her that artificial insemination is a grave moral evil. You need to show her that. You need to bring her information on adoption, adopting a child right from birth from a mother who doesn't want the pregnancy. But you need to show her what will take place in her soul. And she's going to have a child that she will, that will be born into grave sin of her mother and that her mother cannot raise Catholic apart from true repentance. She needs to go into it immediately with all that information. know your donation could be matched? If you donate $300 to the Station of the Cross, you could have it double. There are many companies that will double employee donations. So when you donate $300, we'll receive $600, helping us make Catholic Radio even stronger. Help the Station of the Cross proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity by checking with your employer today to see if there's an opportunity for your place of employment to double your donation. This could greatly benefit Catholic Radio so that we can share the gospel with more people. May God bless you for your support of the Station of the Cross. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. If you've donated an unwanted car to the Station of the Cross, we sincerely thank you for your generosity. If you haven't made this type of gift yet, we encourage you to utilize our vehicle donation program in support of the great shows you love listening to on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Donating is often easier and faster than trying to sell on your own. It's also a satisfying way to give more than you might normally be able to. Your generosity will make a significant difference in bringing the Catholic faith to others over the airwaves, online, and through mobile devices. Consider helping the Station of the Cross by donating your old vehicle. To find out more and to donate, please visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved. Um, just before the break, we were uh, reading an email from someone who wrote in anonymously and at a family gathering. Um, uh, the woman, um, let's see, uh, let's see who, who announced what, um, that the daughter, uh, her niece, was... Um, her niece announced that she was undergoing artificial insemination to become pregnant. Now, I don't know if she's already done that or not. Um, if she's not already done that, I would get to your niece one way or another immediately. Not with your opinion, not preaching to her Catholic um, doctrine, but reading from Catholic doctrine, very specifically reading. Look at the catechism a call um, uh, the the uh, National Catholic Bioethics Center uh, call Catholic Answers um, uh, so that an apologist or someone can go right to the information and give it to you or just type in Catholic teaching on artificial insemination. You'll get a tremendous amount of information. And then you can read not what she thinks is the opinion of some you know, traditional Catholics, but truly church teaching. And you can say to her, um, you know, if we're daughters of the church, if we're children of the church, and we go against infallible church teaching, because this is church teaching, we are putting ourselves in a state of mortal sin. We are excommunicating ourselves from the church. That's what mortal is. It means death. It means we're outside the grace of God. We can go to confession with true repentance and be forgiven, no question. But I don't know that you want to conceive a child in a state of mortal sin, of great, great sin. That is not the way for you that is not the memory for you to have the rest of your life. And you can say to her, our Lord is faithful. If he wishes you to be married and have a child through marriage, he can bring Mr. Wright along in just the right time. God knows the clock of your body. The other thing is, of course, that there are many, many married women that cannot give birth for one reason or another, their husband's reason, their reason, whatever it is, and they're not able to have children, and they are married. Um, there's no guarantee there that if Mr. Wright came along, you'd be able to have a child. But there's one way you can always have a child, and that's through adoption. And there are many families that adopt children from pregnant women that have children out of wedlock, and they want their their children to to be raised by someone who can raise them, often, most often a family, but also by single parents. And you can adopt a child that way. Um, but I would give her the church's teaching. As far as being with your family after that, give thanks to God that you are true Catholics, that you know what it is, and that you have the faith. I would not separate yourself from your family at gatherings I would not separate yourself personally. Um, if they, if something like this comes up in the future and they all support her and say, come on, we want to all get along with family, say, you know, um, if someone announced that they were going to drink a poison, should I, should I approve of it and get along when I know that they're going to die? 
there's no love in that. There's no love in that. Um, there's no fellowship in hell either. We have to not be afraid to say those things. Um, but this is my family, and I love them, but we are, we are true Catholics. We believe what the Church teaches, and we want to follow it. We, it's not always easy. We may not always appreciate it ourselves. We may not always like it ourselves, but we want to stay with God. And so we love all of you. We cannot support what we know, not what we don't agree with. It's not a matter. It's got nothing to do with us. If we don't agree with something, it's because God teaches against it. Um, that's. But we love you and you're our family, and we want to be among you. But you can't call on us to support what is truly evil. Um, not our judging, church teaching. So that's that's what I would do, sweetie. Um, we have an email from Lucy who writes, Good morning. I am concerned about something I think I heard you say this morning. You were, and of course, uh, Lucy, I'm sure this was last week and we didn't get to it. You were again comparing Mass and opting for the traditional Mass. You said you never see anyone being reverent and bowing before taking the Eucharist at the Novus Ordo Mass. Well, I tell you what, um, I, uh, Lucy, don't recall saying that because we attend the Novus Ordo Mass all week and we attend it as a group of beautiful, faithful people and they, they're very reverent. It's why we can go there during the week. They all bow before taking the Eucharist. I don't, I, I've been in Novus Ordo Masses where nobody bows. I've done that. I've been at Novus Ordo Masses where people give a slight nod of the head and not a a reverend, profound bow. Uh, I just assume it's ignorance on their part. I don't think it's intentional lack of reverence. Uh, I think their heart is 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 probably very reverent. They just haven't been taught. So I've seen a great irreverence at the Novus Ordo Mass, but that uh, not um, again. It's not that I never seeing anyone see everyone anyone being reverent. I I see that six days a week. We can only go to the Latin Mass on Sundays where we are. And Lucy goes on to say, "I thought you never went to such a Mass." Well, we do. And I wonder if you do, why you are looking around, observing, judging others who are pregnant, who are pregnant. Listen to me. I'm still past email. Who are pregnant. Okay, no. I wonder if you do, why you are looking around, observing, judging others who are present. Well, dear Lucy, that's certainly not my intent or my activity at the time. But you know, when you're online to receive the Holy Eucharist, there are people before you, and there's, especially if there's two lines, you see things going on. Um, I'm not looking around to judge anyone, but you, you see what's going on. You're not blind. Um, he says, I thought when we are at Mass, we're supposed to be worshiping God. Indeed, indeed, Lucy. Focusing on Jesus in the Eucharist. Absolutely. She said there is a type of elitism among some people in the church that is bothersome, as if there's only one right, correct way to worship. I'm going to stop right there, Lucy, and say um, there's not only one right, correct way to worship, but God 
does guide his people. In and throughout the entire Testament, when the sacrificial system was given, all the rubrics were given with it. The exact motions, 15 chapters, the last 15 chapters of the book of Exodus were given to the building of the tabernacle. How many cubits? How much fabric? What direction? What the little rings were that would hang the curtains? 15 chapters to what was basically a big tent in the wilderness. Basically. Unbelievable detail. To the inch, a cubit was a foot and a half, to the inch, every single detail, detail to what the priests had to do, how they had to bathe personally, how their vestments were vested, and how the people had to approach. We're talking about God. We're talking about God. And in the Old Testament, the presence of God came, his glory in the presence of of the Holy of Holies, which no human except the Holies was allowed to enter, enter once a year. Human beings never allowed before God. But just the fact that they were in that tabernacle, in the holy place, in which, was, which contained the Holy of Holies, you had to worship a certain way. And every Israelite that did not was put to death. If they offered fire, it doesn't have to be done that way. Come on. And the sons of Eli took it and did it the way they wanted. And they were put to death. God is not a God to be mocked. The mass is not a focus on us. It's a focus on God. And we have God in our midst the way the Israelites did not. We have the real true God, body, blood, soul, and divinity, who died, who was raised, who is glorified. That's who we have before us. And yes, the church has told us how we must worship. The church has told us not to come in shorts and thongs and uh, our shoulders showing. The church has told us to come dressed respectfully and modestly. The church has told us to receive the Holy Eucharist on our tongue, not on the hand, on our tongue. We have an option for receiving it on the hand, but the church has told us that the norm is on the tongue. Or again, we have the option of receiving our Lord on the hand and properly on the hand, not just grabbing it with our mouth, hand and putting him in our mouth, which I see people do. Not because I'm looking to judge them, but they're right there in front of me. The church has told us that before receiving our blessed Lord, we are to make a profound bow, a profound reverent bow before God. And we should get on our knees, and many do, but where there's not an altar rail and where the uh, Eucharist is given um, by people coming forward in a line and no altar rail. I say shame on any church that does not have an altar rail, that does not have a kneeler for the people, at least a kneeler to kneel before God. So if we come and we stand, the very least our Lord deserves 
is a profound vow, and that is this. Not like that. This. 90 degrees from the waist. It is church law. It is rubrics. It is rubrics. Now, why don't people do that? Because they're irreverent? I don't think so. I think they're ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean stupid. Ignorant means they don't know. Why don't they know? Because there's three generations lost to the faith, because the faith hasn't been taught. Can they know? Yes. What's available to bishops and priests is available to every one of us. So it's not a matter as if there's only one right, correct way to worship. Oh, there is, Lucy. Oh, there is. The church is telling us how to come before God. Yes. Um, And those rules have been incredibly relaxed. Tremendously relaxed. Do I judge people when they don't? No. But do I I get sick when I see them chewing gum on the way up to receive our Lord? I do. And when they're immodestly dressed, yes, I grieve. Um, And when there's no sign of reverence before receiving our Lord, yes, I grieve. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. We should. Lucy goes on to say, for goodness sake, I see it after my mass when a friend commented that a person didn't know, didn't bow his head when Jesus was said. So it's not just you, in other words, not just you, mother, who judge others. How do we know what's going on in someone's head? We don't. We don't. And you know, I've seen it with the sisters here. The women come and very few bow their head at the name of Jesus. And we teach them. We teach them that the scriptures say that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is God to the glory of the Father. We need to bow our head. We need to bow our head. Now, is it uh, legalistic? Oh, no, 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 no. If it is, don't do it if it's from the heart. And the women learn to give a slight bow, not to go crazy, just a slight bow in reverence to the name above all names, the name that the devil himself fears. They learn to be reverenced by practicing that little bow at his name. It it is to become aware of what we're saying. It's to say that Jesus' name is not a formula, but we're truly praying in the name of God, and his name encompasses all that he is. We'll be right back after this break, beloved. Feel free to call in toll-free with anything on your heart, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. 